Final Four is not on the schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod. We're here to talk about uh, Jade Aikens and A.J. Hogard and the return to the Michigan State Spartans. But before we begin, I just want to remind you, uh, that you can support the show. We appreciate it. And all you guys who support us are awesome. Uh, namely, Ron Hill, who gave a very generous donation uh, via Venmo. Kent Kramer, again, returned with uh, another donation via PayPal. Uh, thank you so much for the one-time gifts. You can also be a returning and recurring uh, patron to the show through Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash msutifnots, or you just go to our page on the website, the Final Four is not on the schedule.com slash support. And there you can find a way to link to either PayPal, Venmo, or Patreon. I'd like to recognize those who support us on a monthly recurring basis. Those at the Mateen Cleves level, Bill Church, Brian O'Donnell, Chad Hickey. Also those at the Draymond Green level, Adam Walzak, Dan Rankin, Doug Robinson, James Denton, Jim L., Mark Reynolds, Michael Bosnick, Mike Huntoon, Paul Marsh, and Scott Driscoll, as well as all of you at the Scott Skiles level. Uh, your support means the world to us. It also helps us keep the show going. And we're able to bring really great content like, you know, Jay Billis, Robbie Hummel. Uh, you know, I was joking. I don't even Mike, mention Mike DeCourcy. Mike DeCourcy, right? We've had assistant coaches. We plan to have more people on too here in the off season as we get things ramped up and geared up for the a regular sort of uh, schedule. We're running, what, 15 to 20 shows a month, I think, during the season. It's, <laughs> it's pretty busy. Uh, so this all helps us uh, keep going. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was talking, my daughter who is said, described herself as having negative sports interest. And she was a captive listening to the, uh, the Jay Billis episode two weeks ago. And she said, that was really good. <laughs> it's the surprise that I had a good episode, but, uh, it, it's a really fantastic discussion. If you have not yet had the chance to listen to it, I'd highly recommend it. It was a very high level, uh, very interesting discussion on the college. I think just the, the landscape of college athletics. And, you know, if you've liked it, share it with your friends. I mean, it's, I think it's a great great way you can do it through our podcast play which is the yeah. easiest or you can do it through youtube and uh i you're not going to be disappointed it's not gonna be a waste of time if you're a sports fan i think and even like my daughter even if you're not a sports fan but sort of interested in the politics and the economics of sort of this sort of where that we are in the sport and just the i guess the landscape yeah not not to oversell it but um because you know our end of it was mostly just posing the questions and 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 teeing Jay up. Um, But there is, in my opinion, at least in terms of basketball and its impact on that sport, I don't think there's a single voice in America that I would rather listen to on the subjects of the portal and NIL, structural stuff that impacts the actual game we see on the court more than Jay Billis. He is in my, and that's my opinion, reasonable minds could differ, but I think he is the best positioned, most eloquent person there is in the game to speak to all of those issues, how they're working now, where they should be going uh, prospectively. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's because he sits at a unique intersection. He has as we talked about a legal background, which really is, in my opinion, necessary to fully appreciate all the ramifications of a lot of these things that we're talking about. Yep. I, and I'm, I'm not just saying that because I'm a lawyer. I think it's actually true. <laughs> no, um, I, I agree. I I'm, agree not, I'm not talking my book, as they say. I do think it's true <laughs> because so much of what we're seeing is actually either a function of what's happened in courtrooms or it is being done in response to what is anticipated might happen or would happen in courtrooms if certain issues were tested legally. Um, So that's sometimes that aspect of things is what's missing from these discussions when you hear them talked about in the media and, and Jay having that background can speak to that in a way that most media members can't. 
Um, and then also add in the fact that he's the preeminent color guy, I think, in the sport. He's right there with with um, Bill Rafferty, in my opinion. Very different styles, but yeah, right, yeah. Um, he's right at the top. He's clearly ESPN's number one guy. There's no question. Um, I, I guess if you still think Dick Vitale is, but, yeah. you know, but Jay, Jay Billis <laughs> is the guy. Um, and he played at an extremely high level. So, and, and he's been on NCAA committees, rules committees, et cetera. So the competition committee. So this is a guy that, that sits at the nexus of a lot of different inputs into what's happening. And if I do say so myself, I think it's the best episode we've ever done, largely because of the guest. Um, but, but I also think just the, the back and forth we had and, and the things that we got into and the detail was really something else. And, and I've, I've said this to, to you, Eric, privately, and, and maybe to some other people, too. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast. I think the main reason that I believe it's such a good episode is when these subjects come up and you hear Jay Billis talk about them in almost any other setting, it's in 20 second sound bites. Right. Yeah. Tops a minute. We had them for a little over an hour. And these subjects are so complex and so important that I think they really take a, a very thorough, long discussion to truly get at, at all the substance and all the nuance. And so I think our format, not having those kind of time limitations, really lent itself to getting a very thorough discussion of these issues. So, yeah, I second what you said. Anybody listening to this, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I really think you should, because um, Jay is speaking to so many things that are impacting the game in very, very profound ways. And you can debate whether you think those are positive or negative outcomes as he admits, but I don't think you can debate how important they are. Yep. No, I think so too. And I think it, it, the advantage course too, with you as an attorney is that you guys can, without getting into the weeds to legalese or anything like that, it was certainly not uh, something that'd be difficult to follow. I don't think we got, well, no, I don't want, I don't think we got too deep, right? No, I don't think so. I think you mentioned two court cases, which just in passing, but outside of that, there's really nothing there that the average person couldn't follow. Yeah, and everybody right. knows that O'Bannon because that O'Bannon played basketball <laughs> at, at UCLA and is yeah. the guy who's pretty much responsible for killing the EA Sports video games, <laughs> the college football and college basketball games, which are at least football is coming back next year yeah. and not an accident after the O'Bannon case had been sorted out. So, yeah, you're right. We, we kept it out of that. But but that's why I was saying that's one of the reasons why I was saying if you don't have an attorney's background, it can sometimes be more difficult to keep all of this stuff organized and sorted yeah. out. Right. You know, no. Like yeah. for, for me, when just as an example, when in the part of that episode where I, I asked him, did he agree with my position that not only is an employment construct inevitable, but it I think it's also the answer to this current instability that everybody's up in arms about with the portal. I think that kind of construct is the answer to sorting that out and bringing back some structure. And, and Jay thankfully agreed with me on that. Um, but when, when you think about these things as an attorney, I can say it's an inevitability because to me, knowing a little bit. I'm not a labor attorney, but I know a little bit about how it works. It and I and I look at the reality of college sports. It seems obvious to me that that's what it should be. And and so when I see that, and I have that understanding, and other attorneys, I'm sure, will know what I'm talking about. You know, when I, when I was in law school, just as a quick aside, and then we can get to real business here. Um, <laughs> I uh, I took a sports law class my third year which was fun. And I had already taken antitrust, which put me about 90% of the way there, thankfully. Mm -hmm. So it was a real breeze because I already understood <laughs> most of the stuff. But, but there was, this is the early edging in the mid nineties. And we spent time talking about the NFL draft. Now at the time, our older listeners will remember 
the NFL did not have an early entry option. Basketball's had it forever, but football didn't have it. The mm-hmm. NFL said you got to complete, you know, your college eligibility before you're eligible for the draft right. or four years, whatever the hell it was. And it was clear, it was obvious when you read the case law that that would not withstand a legal challenge. The only question was what plaintiff is going to do it because with the speed or lack thereof of the court system, if somebody filed as a sophomore, they completed their sophomore year and they wanted to play in the NFL, by the time the case came to trial, they were already eligible for the draft. Right. right? Yeah. So nobody would see it through. Well, eventually, several years after I graduated law school, Maurice Claret came along. Oh, right. And there went <laughs> from a legal. But it was it was clear to us reading the case law that, yeah, this is what's going to happen if anybody tests it. This rule will go. And I'm not going to bother you with the details as to why, but it was just very, very obvious. Same thing applies here. Yeah. with employment. So that's why I'm not trying to toot my own horn as in terms of, oh, you can't understand it unless you've got my background. But it, but it, it does really help because most of the time when these things get discussed in media, you don't have attorneys involved, or at least a lot of the time, you don't have anyone with a legal background. And so they're often not quite as well versed in the reasons why some of these things are unfolding the way they are. And Jay obviously does not suffer from that problem. So anyway. Yeah, right. Well, and, I, you know, again, past. let's move on to the future. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, again, I'd recommend if you have if you have not listened, obviously listen, please share with your friends. Go to your podcast player right now. Pause for a second and give us a five star written review. Those are worth a lot. And if you do, you can send it. A picture screenshot of it to me at Erica TFFINOTS.com. I still have some $5 gift cards for nudge printing. I'll send those along to you so you can get uh, some cool nudge gear. Uh, and then uh, if you're interested, again, Patreon, you can certainly go to Patreon and sign up. We also have other opportunities for sponsorship for the show because we want to we want to make the show continue to grow. And that's what we're up to right now. So, but let's talk about the big news that happened today. Not too surprising. The deadline to withdraw from the NBA draft with the, with the evaluation period was, I think, tomorrow. And we're recording this May 31st. Uh, so it's midnight Nakins, tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, midnight tonight. Yeah. So Jay Nakins, AJ Hogard announce again, not surprisingly, that they are going to be returning to Michigan State for the 2023 2024 season. And um, I guess let's just talk about what that means for the team. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, two veterans returning. It's kind of obvious that they're going to be a better team. But uh, why don't you go into sort of the process of what you've learned? I mean, I, I know. Uh, I don't. I didn't hear exactly like what it was they found out at the draft. If anything, I don't know if anything that has been sort of reported on. I mean, what do you? What have you heard so far? Uh, I think that the feedback was, um, and, I, and I haven't heard details. I don't know that I would, but um, I think the feedback was largely what was to be expected. That they both had some things to prove. Mm-hmm. Um, in Jaden's case, I think it's they want to see him do more and show more of what he can do with the ball in his hands. They already know he's an effective spot up shooter. They know he can guard people. They know he can rebound, but can he, can he execute with the ball in his hands, not just for himself, but for others? Can he run an offense in the half court? Those types of things with AJ, I think it's consistency Mm -hmm. And obviously showing improved jump shooting would be would be helpful, too. But I happen to think the bigger thing there is consistency. So I would I would expect that's largely what they heard. Um, I we've we've touched on this before, but I just do want to say. People need to understand that we are in a different era. Do not take this stuff for granted. I think a lot of people looked at this, and I'm not talking so much about AJ, I'm talking more about Jaden Akins. I said, well, guys always come back at MSU, and, you know, Jaden has obviously not done enough to be a pro, and MSU's just a great situation. He started, he played 30-plus minutes a game, he got plenty of shots, you know, obviously he's going to come back. None of that was obvious. None (laughs) of it. Because of what I just mentioned. There were, and and you can you can choose not to believe this. Doesn't matter to me. I'm just telling you <laughs> what I know to be the truth. Um, there were real concerns 
uh, not from MSU, but on, on his part, his family, et cetera, about whether MSU was the right situation, particularly once Tyson Walker decided to return for Jaden to maximize the development that he needed to make in order to be a pro. And what that means is play more with the ball in his hands, mm-hmm. be the pick, be the pick and roll guy and pick and roll consistently, be the guy making decisions. Um, he had not had a lot of opportunities to do that. He saw more of them later in the season and in the tournament. And I think that's a preview of what you're going to see next year. Uh, my understanding is what all of these guys have been told is do not expect MSU to run it back next year exactly the same way with those three guys. Yes, all three starters are returning, but they won't play exactly the same way. First of all, Michigan State hopes to run a lot more because their depth is vastly improved. They should be able to do that. So that's going to change some things. But also, I expect Jaden Akins to be utilized more as an on-ball guy than more strictly off ball the way he was last season, which means that Tyson Walker will probably play on ball a little less than Mm -hmm. he did. They will use him as a spot up shooter more than they did this season. And that's not just, you know, well, we want to showcase guys. That's all, but that's always part of it. You're naive. If you don't believe that part of it is, (laughs) Hey, we're going to give you opportunities to be seen doing the things the NBA wants to see you do. That is part of every program's recruiting approach. It just is. And so part of it is that, but I think part of it is that Michigan State believes that's what will make this team better. That's another gear they can get to. And so I really think, and I've seen people make these comparisons. I absolutely agree with them. Michigan State next year, I expect that backcourt to look a whole hell of a lot the way Baylor's did a couple of years ago, winning the national title where you had those three guards and they were all kind of interchangeable, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of, okay, who's on ball, this possession or this part of this possession, you know, who's looking to make a play. It would vary because they were all really good at it and it made it a bitch to defend. Well, putting the ball in Jade Nakin's hands and using him more. And of course him doing that efficiently will make Michigan state a lot harder to guard. And that is the plan. So I expect to see Jaden Akins with the ball in his hand a lot more. And look, we, we have touched on this. When Jaden Akins was recruited, that's what the game plan was. Right. The game plan was he was going to be on ball. Maybe and a point guard, before, right? Yeah. That, absolutely. That was before A.J. Hogard had even played a second for Michigan State. Never mind proven that he was capable of being a high-level player. It was before anybody in East Lansing had ever heard of Tyson Walker. So things changed as the mm-hmm. roster evolved. And, and, and the other thing, too, which is worth mentioning is I think you would have seen Jaden play on ball more this past season had he not had the injury problems. Right. I think that also limited his progression a little bit. So it's, it's not surprising that by the time we got to March and he'd had more time under, under his belt to get reacclimated, um, you started to actually see him do more of those things. It took a little longer than it would have otherwise. But next year, that's what I think is coming. And look, people can talk about whatever other guard combinations they want, and they will. People will hype Duke's guards to death because the Proctor kid came back, Jeremy Roach came back, and they're really good. I'm not saying they aren't. But what I am saying is in terms of what, guys are going to be able to do on the court next season as college basketball players i will take michigan state's guards you can and i'm also including jeremy fears and trey holloman in that in that group and Mm -hmm. and also garrett norman and perhaps cohen carr as well um as wing reserves let's say i will take michigan state's group and you can have anybody else's in the country you want and I'm not trading Michigan State for anybody else. <laughs> yeah, that's I think they will have the best backcourt in the nation, bar none. And and that's the main reason why 
you're going to see them consistently in preseason top fives. And, and it's why I think they have an outstanding chance to get to a Tom Izzo's ninth final four and win his second national championship. Um, the, it's, it's the talent, but it's also the experience, but then not just the experience, but the experience of playing together. Those three guys have played a lot of basketball together. I mean, collectively that threesome has played what it's probably about 75 ish games together. It's probably about right. I yeah. think. Yeah. Cause Aikens is two years. Walker's got two years. And, and so Hogard, they played two years together. And at, I would guess at least half of those, they probably started together. That's in, in modern college basketball. That's like it used to be running out there with three fifth-year seniors. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is. They, they are going to have a distinct advantage in knowing how to play with each other. And that's, that matters. Now, how much does it matter? We can debate that. But when you add that to their obvious talent and their overall experience just in playing the game of basketball, you know, uh, a fifth-year senior – a fourth year guy and a third year guy. That's a lot of good stuff. And then you're adding in Trey Holloman is a sophomore who should be better. Jeremy fears who, by the way, it was announced today has been invited to the uh, under team USA under 19 camp um, for the under 19 world championships this summer. And he is a team USA stalwart. So Although there are a lot of guys and a lot of very good guys who have been invited, I'm going to kind of be surprised if Jeremy Fierce doesn't make that team. Um, the only downside to that is it means he's going to be off campus for a while yeah. this summer. But when it's playing for your country, I think everybody will understand that. Um, but you're adding but him ball. to that mix, right? You're adding him to that mix. And then two guys in Norman and Carr who, uh, boy, you know, sky's the limit. Um, yeah. it's, it's exciting. It's fun. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So before we get talking about Hogard, I just want to ask another question about Aiken. So we always talk about the, you know, playing the pick and roll, him, how can he facilitate and roles you could imagine him trying to do at the next level, right? I mean, that's as his size. He's obviously not going to be playing the three in the NBA at his uh, right. site. Uh, do you see him, if, if we have a more of running this season, do you think that's also important for people to see that explosiveness, the ability to get to the rim and attack, uh, you know, on the break, which he did a little bit of last year. I mean, there were times, but for the most part, you know, there wasn't as much break for the Michigan State this last year to begin with. And then also he was injured for half the season. I think he showed enough of that, that he is a finisher in transition. He had mm -hmm. some highlight reel dunks. I don't think anybody questions that. 
I think what they would like to see is more of what we saw a little bit in the tournament, which was him showing that athleticism and ability to finish off the dribble mm-hmm. in the half court. That's what I think they want to see more of. And I think he's got that in his game for sure. Um, again, we saw it more often late. So I think as he gets more comfortable playing that kind of role, you're going to see it. But yeah, I think in transition, well, what might be interesting is maybe he could show a little bit more, but he can be in the facilitator role in sure. transition, right? Yeah. you know, because last year, pretty much he was running, running the wing. Yeah. Right. Um, you might see him more in the middle of the floor. Um, and that, and that matters too, because, you know, the NBA, obviously they love guys who can play that role and then just go ahead in the middle of the floor and finish a play themselves. You know, you think about guys like Derek Rose or, um, um, De'Aaron Fox now currently has that, uh, Ja Morant, those kind of players. And I, you know, Jaden, I'm not comparing him to those guys yet, but athletically there's some comparisons. Sure. So yeah. It's funny because I was, you know, looking at talking about AJ Hogarth now. Last year, there was definitely some question whether he'd return to Michigan State just because of, um, yep. well, just because sort of the, I don't want to say personal issues, but just other things that not related to the game so much, you know, whether he was, yeah. uh, whether he felt Michigan State was the right fit or, or, you know, whether he could sort of work with the, the coaching staff. But, that seems to have uh, largely been resolved, but right? More, more, more importantly, vice versa. Right. But yeah. Right. Anyway. As you say, right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And, uh, so anyway, so he's returning and there, there seemed little cha- little doubt that he was going to be coming back. And so it was for him, yeah. I, I think there was probably a, an ounce of doubt in people that, you know, with Jaden's athleticism, maybe he convinced someone in the like late second round that they would want to commit to I agree. drafting him. I agree. Whereas oh, AJ, there's really not, I don't think there's any really chance that that would happen. And so for him, it's, I guess, you know, you mentioned before, probably his shooting and his consistency. Do you think that's really pretty much all he has to do? And that's, uh, and then I guess him coming back is obviously huge. I mean, for, for where he started a couple of years ago to where he's become his the importance yeah. in the team where he is now, uh, it's, you know, unmistakable. And so it's, I don't know, I mean, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. Um, look, I, I'm not going to, I've long since put away my, my NBA scout hat. <laughs> um, that's uh, the clipboard is, deep in the closet. You broke it over your knee like Izzo, right? Yeah, like Izzo. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not even going to guess. Jaden Makins, you obviously see it because anytime a guy has that kind of athletic ability combined with the ability to shoot, you'd say, okay, well, that's that's a guy that would seem to have some pro potential. Mm-hmm. With AJ, it is, it's harder because he has not yet proven to be even a good shooter. He, I think he got to okay last year and he's not a great athlete but what he does have is he has exceptional passing ability and he's got really good size and strength for the position so that part of it his you know he's six four and he's strong that part of it you say okay maybe um i just don't know i don't know where it all comes together for him and and you know look you you need look no further than one of the two teams that's going to be playing for the nba title this year and how many guys they have on that roster who were undrafted if you would have told me that duncan robinson would sign a 40 million dollar contract the way he did a year or two ago (laughs) and be playing a real role for a team in the nba finals i would have said you were out of your mind and the funny thing is, it's like, it's not as if he suddenly discovered how to guard someone. He's still a terrible defender. Mm-hmm. Awful. One of the worst. One of the worst to come through the Big Ten. He is a terrible defensive player. But in the NBA, sometimes a guy has a specific skill set that just works and is important for that team. And it makes sense. And he becomes invaluable for them. And that is the case for him. So AJ Hogard, could he find his way into an NBA role down the line? Yeah. I mean, I can't, anytime you become a player who's been good enough to be, you know, selected to the all region team in the NCAA tournament, which he was, um, 
you'd be foolish to say, oh, he has no chance. But I don't, to my eye, to my admittedly unexpert eye, he is a far, he has a far less obvious chance than Jaden Akins would have. But who knows? Yeah. I'm less concerned with, I, I mean, for his sake, I hope it happens, obviously, is I want to see Michigan State guys do well. But um, none of that has any impact on what I think about him next year for Michigan State, which is really what I care about most at this stage. Right. I always look back to Eric Snow, who I, you know, was, I there thought he was go. a good player at Michigan State. He was, he could, he was super quick. I mean, I don't, I don't remember, I'll be, I'll admit, I don't remember how athletic he was. I mean, he was really extremely, quick and, extremely. Right, I mean, but he was not large, uh, but, and I never would have guessed, I would never guess that he'd have a long career, especially a long career in the NBA. And he, he couldn't shoot. Here's the thing. If you were looking at that backboard, Eric Snow, by the time he was a senior, was a very good college basketball player. But if you had put it in front of a hundred basketball evaluators, so I'm talking scouts, GMs, coaches, and said, hey, which one of these two guys is going to have the longer career? <laughs> Sean Respert or Eric Snow? Now, look, Sean, it was injuries and health, and there were things that contributed to that. But even if Sean had been perfectly healthy, I'm not sure he would have had a longer or better career than Eric Snow ended up having. Eric Snow was a starting point guard in an NBA Finals. Yeah, you know, like 13 years after he joined the he league was, or something. Was, he was... He was an incredible defensive player. And, you know, it, again, it goes to show you, um, you can't, you can't think that, you know, more because here's the thing, the NBA guys themselves often don't know. Well, right. right. They, why, these are undrafted why players. Would have, <laughs> why would half the Miami heats roster have been undrafted? <laughs> exactly. Now, right. That, that also means by the way, Miami didn't get to draft them either. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> let's not pretend. Oh, Miami was geniuses. Yes, they obviously know what they're doing as a as an organization, but they they didn't draft those guys either. Yeah. So mistakes get made all the time. So I don't know what the long term is for AJ Hogard. I know that there there are certain things: his ability to pass, his ability to get by people and finish, which tells me he's a good enough athlete, and um, and his size. For the position, I think are all positives. Beyond that, and and the fact that we'll, he will have gone through four years where he's had to be accountable. That and and we've seen him be held accountable. That doesn't hurt, you know. Right. If you think that NBA teams don't care about that stuff, you're wrong. They do. It's not just talk. I mean, all else being equal. A kid who went through a program like Michigan State's is probably going to have that little bit of a tiebreaker advantage because they know that somebody who went through it for that many years has at least had to be accountable. Right. Well, you know, I, I haven't, uh, I don't think I've told the story. So this we're, this kind of changed the subject a little bit, but you know, when I, um, when I was in medical school, my wife was also, and she's a pediatrician. And so we were talking, um, we were talking one day and about, you know, she was pretty much going to be pediatrics the whole time. There's no doubt about it. And that was actually kind of funny that everyone would meet her and say, you're going to be a pediatrician. And she's no. And of course she always, of course she ended up going to pediatrics just because it fit her personality. Right. And so I wasn't sure what I was going to do as far as, uh, uh, you know, especially afterwards. And I was thinking ER. And then I, I had a, at I, we had a required rotation for anesthesia and I came home one day, we married about six months or so. And I said, you know, that anesthesia is pretty fun. I think that's what I want to do. And she burst out laughing because she thought for sure I was joking. It was the most boring rotation for her. She couldn't imagine a worse specialty, but I thought it was really fun. And so I, I really, I've, I've had a passion for it despite other people not having a passion for it. And I only mentioned that because we've advertised a long time and talked about the brothers who just do gutters. Now they just do gutters. It's not very exciting. That's great. That's a great segue. It's there. It's not an exciting thing, <laughs> but to be really great at what you do, you have to have a passion for it. It doesn't mean everyone else has to have a passion for it. Just you do. I talked to Kurt and uh, I've talked to Greg, whose who's brothers are just do gutters out in Detroit. And those guys truly have a passion 
for doing really high quality gutter work. It's not something that a lot of people think about, but you know, there's someone who's making zippers somewhere. There's someone who's, you know, uh, you know, pick up the trash. The people, who, it, the people who have um, a passion for what they do, those are the people you hire for jobs, right? You want to get the guy who loves plumbing, the guy who loves putting in driveways. And that, you know, with tradespeople, you want people who have a passionate, meticulous attention to detail who are going to make sure they do things the right way. That's why we have been very excited to have the Brothers at Just Do Gutters advertising the show, even though it seems kind of strange a little bit for a basketball show to have to highlight people who install gutters. But they put in leaf guards, they replace and repair gutters, uh, they work in just about any weather. I mean, I had the guys, they, fi- they fixed up my house in February, which is like, I don't know, there could be a worse time of the year to actually do something because you don't know what you're going to get, whether you get rain or snow or some combination from day to day. They came out, they did a, they did a fantastic job, lots of different, you know, selection for colors and things like that. And I don't have to worry about stupid leaves, which I hate. I hate, I've got a three, one part of my walkout is like three stories high. There's no way I'm getting on a, on a ladder. So having a leaf guard there and now my, uh, my garden, which is underneath it, isn't getting pounded with rain spilling over the side. It's wonderful. It's been, it's been a great thing. And so I would highly recommend the brothers just do gutters before it was just in West Michigan, but now the, uh, his compatriot in Greg over in Detroit, his entire region, which is the Metro Detroit area, was very large. So, you know, those, those of you who are sort of feeling bad that you couldn't take advantage of this opportunity. Now you too can have the brothers to just do gutters, take care of your gutter work. So you can, you can look at the podcast, uh, your app, you look underneath, or you can go to YouTube and there'll be links there. You can go to the, the Detroit or you can go to the West side, the Grand Rapids area or Metro Detroit you have links there to contact those guys and have them take care of you. 10% off if you mention Final Four. They will do a fantastic job. It is absolutely the season to get this sort of stuff done. So if you've been thinking about it or just even getting those stupid leaf guards in so you don't have to worry about clearing leaves, uh, they're the place to go. All right. So we talked a little bit about AJ. We've You and Jaden, you've obviously gone into and discussed a little bit with um, – uh, with just the team, but let's talk a little bit more broadly. You know, we have Malik Hall coming back. We've got Tyson Walker. And of course, as a, as a explanation, we will also have a more in-depth, deep dive before the season starts, like we always do. But just broadly speaking, now that we have, now we know the roster, we've got, you know, four incoming freshmen. We've got a top six by most accounts recruiting class. In addition to pretty much the same team coming back outside of Joey Hauser. Uh, you know, what do you see as far as the team? You mentioned briefly about the Final Four, obviously possibility, national title, those sorts of things. But, you know, the team construction, what do you what do you think about things as going forward now? I it's there is zero reason to be anything except incredibly optimistic. Um this is this team will have, I think, as much preseason hype as any maybe since 1718. I mean, I know that's hard to say because the 1920 team was preseason number one, right? Right. Um, But that team wasn't quite, it didn't have the same depth that this one looks to have. Um, I I just, I think, I think this is a team that's, that's going to really have people excited because it is a near perfect blend of the experienced guys who have done it, have been through the wars, have come out the other side. And now after the way last season ended, I think those guys have to believe they know what it takes. Right. You know, they, they had enough to take down a very, a very solid USC team and an extremely good Marquette team and then played a very good Kansas state team to the wire and could have easily won that game. And if they'd done that, who knows? Yeah. Um, you know, those guys have to have to believe that they know what it takes now, but yet they're coming back a little bit pissed off a little bit, you know, knowing that, <laughs> Hey, there's more out there yeah. for us to get. So you've got that whole element, which you love having, but you're also adding really talented, really athletic young guys who I think provide exactly what this roster needed and didn't have last year, you know? So it's, uh, you almost couldn't script it better if you were Tom Izzo, I don't think. Um, The starting lineup for Michigan State will be, and I'm anticipating it will be 
Hogard, Walker, Aikens, Hall, and Sissoko. Right now, right. that's what I'd bet on. Yeah. Subject to change. But that's that's a decently athletic group. Not bad. But, you know, other than Aikens, you don't have the kind of traditional Michigan State jump run jump combo guy. You know, Tyson Walker is really quick. Mati Sissoko moves pretty well for a big man, but they're not, you know, we've gotten spoiled with how many guys <laughs> you can run endless highlight reels of their dunks on over the years, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. enter Cohen Carr and I I think Moneyball is going to be crazy again this year. If for no other reason, then people are going to want to see Cohen Carr put on a dunk show every night he plays. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and I'm telling you, for his, and I love Jeremy Fears. I think Jeremy Fears has a chance to be a great point guard and a great leader. Like a chance to maybe be the kind of guy people talk about in very – select company you know i think he has that chance we'll see whether he makes good on it xavier booker obviously is the most highly ranked guy 6 11 great athletically he's got a skill set easy to see why people are excited about him i think garrett norman is going to be a very good player he's got a lot of physical tools and he's got a skill set as well but if you're asking me which freshman has the best chance to break through in a major way next year. Right now, I would probably be inclined to put my money on Cohen Carr, in part because of what he is and in part because of what Michigan State doesn't have Yeah, coming back. You know, Jeremy Fierce is a great player, but Michigan State's got A.J. Hogarth. They've got Tyson Walker. They've got Jay Makins. So, you know, there's not as much of a need for – 20 minutes of what Jeremy fears does with those guys. Right. Yep. They don't have anybody who does what Cohen Carr does at his size. They just don't. And I just, I watching him a couple times during the season on television. Um, I think as long as he gets what they want from him defensively in the role he'll play. And I think, I think there's reason to think that he will. As long as he gets that conceptually, uh, man, <laughs> he I think he could be the X factor, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. Because I don't think even even though you look at his where he's ranked and over the course of last season, he generally seemed to rise like there were there were some recruiting services that ended up with him in the top 30. Yeah. You know, so he got respect there. But I know I, I think I mentioned this on the podcast. I watched a McDonald's game and there wasn't a single guy out there that popped off that screen the way Cohen Carr does to me. Yeah. Right. Nobody, nobody. Um, I don't think the country is sufficiently prepared for what Cohen Carr could be. Now I'm anxious to start hearing reports and talking to people who know um, once he gets up here right now, Xavier Booker got to camp, I think yesterday or the day before or got to school. I mean, and mm -hmm, so he's yeah. the first guy to get to campus. The other guys should be showing up. I would think over the next week or so, mm -hmm. um, we'll start seeing them in Moneyball when that gears up in June. Um, but I'm, I'm anxious to hear about how quickly he's acclimating to what they want from him, because if it happens reasonably fast, and I think it could, uh, I don't think college, the college basketball world truly has an idea of what he is. You wonder, you know, you I, wonder I said this, I said this There's one more quick thought. Yeah. I said this today. We're talking about recruiting because it's worth mentioning. One of MSU's recruiting targets in the 24 class, Jonathan Powell, surprisingly to me committed to Xavier today. Oh. Um, so he's off the table. And we were having that discussion on the Spartan Mag board about, you know, what they might do. And, and, you know, there's lots of options. It's not a, it's not a disaster by any means, especially with Curtain already in the fold at that spot. But um, one of the things I mentioned looking at next year is, okay, you figure you're going to lose three guys from the perimeter group, the three starters, right? You figure mm -hmm. they're all gone because we would expect Jaden would go pro next year. Yeah. I, right now, I would not think AJ would do a fifth year. He could, but I wouldn't think he would. Um, 
So you figured they need, they've got one recruit already set. You figured they're going to need to add a couple more guys, be it from the high school ranks or the portal eventually. Um, but as I mentioned, I said, I'm hesitant to say too much about Cohen Carr because if things break a certain way, I could see him being a one and done. Oh, sure. And that does that doesn't mean that I think he's going to play 30 minutes a game. But with what he has physically, if he ends up playing like, say, a high teens kind of role in terms of minutes, which I think is possible, he could easily show enough. So, yeah. So look out college basketball world, because Cohen Carr, I think, is going to have a lot to say about what happens in the Big Ten and maybe what happens in the nation. I think I really do think he's just that kind of rare combination of skill set, mindset and physical tools that can pop really early. So I obviously I'm sure you can tell I'm a little bit excited about what he can be. <laughs> well, you wonder on some level too, if it's a little surprising, you know, cause like you mentioned, you watch the guy playing, you're like, how's this guy to rank so highly? But it's, on, it's on unbelievable. Some level, to me. On some level too, you wonder if, there's a little bit less attention paid to someone who finishes up their, you know, their, their recruitment in the summer before the, their high school season. And so there's just a little less attention paid, paid to him. And then they were a little slow getting around to watch him in, um, in AU. He's not on the main circuit either. I don't think he was. No, he and was. So, That's the thing. No, he was. Oh, he was. You okay. Could, you could it say was that Norman. about Garrett Norman. Yeah. Right. Okay. About Garrett Norman, but Cohen Carr played EYBL. He played at a prep school, plays a national schedule. He was there to be seen. Honestly, he got recruiting service bumps after he committed to Michigan State. He was yeah. rated, you know, right now he's solidly a top 50 guy, I think, consensus-wise. Yeah. He was more of a top 100 guy when they when they offered him and, and got him committed. It's, yeah. it's flabbergasting to me. I don't understand it. Um, I don't well, know why. How people now, now I will admit I didn't see him as a junior at all. So maybe he's really come a long way in terms of his shot. But I'm telling you, I watched him play a couple complete games. I'm not going to say he's going to remind anybody of Sean Resford, but he's got a decent looking release and it seems to go in enough that I don't think you look at him and say, well, that's a non shooter. Yeah, I, I think he can be good enough. He, he looks to me to have a pretty good handle. And with the athleticism, I mean, it, it, in transition, he will be lethal. I think in the half court, he will be lethal. Because I think he's also going to be a guy who should be um, very, very effective at second chance points. And then, then you look at the defensive end, and he is built for Michigan State. I mean... I look at yeah. him and I have visions of BJ Dawson all over again where, Oh, you want him to guard a one fine. You want him to guard a five on a switch fine <laughs> and everything in between. Yeah. I, I it, it's, it is amazing to me how you can look at a guy who's pretty highly ranked and say, eh, I think he's a bit underrated. I believe that's very possibly <laughs> what we're going to be saying as we get into next season, people are going to look at each other and say, how the hell was this guy only ranked 32nd? I really do think that the fun thing of course, is that you're going to see in the champions class, you're going to see a matchup right away to see whether he yep. belongs in the court with, you know, the, the elite. Absolutely. And if he, if he is, you're like, okay, we're in for right. I mean, and yep. in some respects, you know, Madi Sissoko, he looked great. And, and I think, you know, as much as people ragged on him throughout the year, I think he showed his worth and his value throughout the season too. I mean, he was certainly not for sure. at the levels he was where he started the season uh, with all the uh, ballyhoo, but um, I guess, you know, the other thing I was thinking about too, since we're going to just generally talk about the roster too, the, finally, just about Malik Hall, you know, he returns and that sort of changes the dynamics of what the expectation was, I think probably oh, yeah. when Xavier Booker was coming in, because I know you had mentioned before that the state Michigan state staff was looking at bringing in a four of somewhere with experience to at least, uh, you know, play backup or to be sort of holding the, um, hold the accountability. Yeah, hold exactly. Now you don't have that problem. Yeah. Now you've got someone, not now you have Booker probably not even starting. And is that going to be okay? I mean, I guess we won't worry about whether it's okay with Booker and his people or whatever, but 
because um, he's definitely committed to this year. I don't think there's any question about that. Look, here, here's the one thing I know about Tom Izzo. And again, this runs counter to a lot of dip Michigan basketball illiterate fan narrative. Um, <laughs> but it's the truth. Opportunities for freshmen are always there. He has said it about this group. He's already said this. said, look, those guys could come in and some of those guys could just play so well that they basically shove the upperclassmen aside. They will have the chance to do that. Now, I don't expect them to do that, but the, the chance will be there. And we have seen before, we saw it in a very limited sense, but still saw signs of it last season. Come this Well, let's say last October, who expected that Carson Cooper would be right. playing significant minutes in a Sweet 16 game? He'd be the last you'd right? expect. Of the, right. Yeah. He did. Why did he? Because he proved he was ready for it. Xavier Tillman, I've said it before. I really liked Xavier Tillman as a high school player and recruit. I was very happy they got him. But for his freshman year, I figured he probably would redshirt because there were just so many upperclassmen. Forget Nick Ward and Jaron Jackson, the starters. I was thinking Ben Carter, Gavin Schilling, Kenny Goins. There just didn't seem to be an opportunity for Xavier to play. <laughs> what was happening by the end of the year? He was firmly in the rotation, right? Draymond Green, same deal. By the time that team got to the tournament, he was playing significant, super important minutes. Over and over again, we've seen this. Now, all of those guys I've mentioned were not major, major recruits the way that the current group is. You know, they weren't ranked where Xavier Booker is or even where Cohen Carr is. Um, but the opportunities are going to be there. Xavier Booker has immense talent. His combination of athletic ability, his body mechanics, just the way he moves at his size is rare. He can shoot. That's a big positive. He's got great length. That's a big positive but he needs to get stronger and he needs to learn how to not just play hard, but play Tom Izzo hard. Mm -hmm. Now the things he has said and the things people around him have said lead me to believe that a big part of the reason he is at Michigan state to begin with is they know what he needs to improve. And that's why they came here. So I would hope that if Xavier averages, you know, 14 minutes a game, that's not going to be a controversy right. for that. I would hope that. That's my assumption, my default assumption coming in. Time will tell. Um, I don't know that anybody expected Malik Hall to be back at this time last year, but here we are. But I think the chances are there. If Xavier Booker figures it out and his play on the court matches his potential, he will play. It's, it's just that simple, you know, so it's really up to him. And you know, what else is very simple is making your selection for what you want to do to get your Michigan state gear. I have uh, a number of pieces and as do you uh, nudge printing, they have been a longtime sponsor for the show. They are great supporters of Michigan state. Gabe and Brittany uh, have been running nudge printing out of Michigan. So it's all Michigan created gear uh, out of Portland, Michigan and super high quality stuff too. Screen printed, durable, soft, breathable. I mean, I I wore the, the our gear, which you can get at the Fire and Forest, not the schedule.com slash merchandise. Uh, you can get our either our logoed sweatshirt or which now seems kinda of hard to imagine wearing with nine degrees, or t shirt. Uh, you can get those there. Uh, also you can just go to Nudge Printing and get anything you want there. Uh, you can get twenty percent off by entering the co uh, in the coupon code final four at the checkout. Again, that's one word, Final Four. They have all kinds of Michigan State stuff. They've got all kinds of other schools in Michigan outside of the University of Michigan. So if you, you're house divided, you've got a Central fan, you've got a Michigan State fan, you guys can both get your stuff. They've got stuff for football season. They've got some new uh, new logos or, I guess, new designs they have for the season. One is a kind of an, a gruff, sparty uh, football, and they also have one that's the state of Michigan heading to the beach. So it's actually kind of cool with a little umbrella and stuff. So you can check that out again. It's a nudge printing.com final four 
at checkout for 20% off your purchase. And like I mentioned before, if you leave a five-star written review and you take a screenshot of it, email it to me at erica.tiffnots.com. You can get a $5 gift card, which goes in, you know, you can use with your 20% discount as well. Uh, and, and then I'll, finally, anything that you purchase on the merchandise for either our hoodies or uh, the t-shirts with the Final Fours on the schedule, which is a really cool logo. Actually, Coach Kelly wanted some, <laughs> so he got some shirts too. Uh, you, all those proceeds go to us to support the show. So if you want, it's another way to support the show outside of just visiting our sponsors. Uh, finally, I, before we close the show, I just wanted to briefly touch, of course, Michigan State gets Aikens and Hogard back. There are other schools waiting for players to make decisions and withdrawing from the draft. The big one in the Big Ten, the, and both literally and figuratively, is Zach Eady, right? And so with the, the Purdue Boilermaker, I saw the last thing I saw, and this is before we recorded, that he was interested in some multi-year deal with an NBA, which I have two questions. One is, I mean, you know, is he likely to get that? The second is, do people actually make deals with, I mean, can they have sort of be assured by other teams to get drafted, to get a multi-year deal before the draft happens? Because I don't know that you could 100% know that, you know, they may find, someone may fall to your their spot that they like more than you, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know how that works. Well, you, you, you touch on the problem. And all the time you have, you have guys uh, upset where they say, well, so-and-so guaranteed us that they mm -hmm. were going to pick us if we were there. And then they didn't, you know, this is sometimes why supposed bad decisions get made. Now that's look, all this stuff is trying to sort out, especially in the social media era, what's real <laughs> yeah, right. drafts up from, from agent propaganda is, you know, good luck with that. I, I don't right. know, but, but honestly, this stuff is so complicated. I just, over the, over the last couple of days, you know, Larry Brown, the former Pistons and pretty much everybody else head coach, <laughs> where has he um, coached? <laughs> who I think is great, by the way, I think he's one of the best basketball minds in history, but um, he was on local sports radio here in Southeast Michigan and talking about the Pistons, blah, blah, blah. And of course, what comes up is what about that infamous draft, the LeBron draft where LeBron went one, but the Pistons were sitting there at two, could have taken Carmelo Anthony, could have taken Dwayne Wade, could have taken Chris Bosh, instead took Darko Milicic. Yeah. Still Darko. won a title, still went to four more Eastern Conference championships or better, could have had Carmelo Anthony. And Larry Brown said then, well, I don't know if he said it back then, but he's maintained for a long time, and he reiterated it in this discussion, that he was told by Pistons management they were going to take Carmelo. Hmm. That was his understanding. And then they took Darko instead. Um, so that I, I only bring that up to illustrate that who the hell knows what the reality <laughs> is, right? I, I have read the same things on social media that you just referenced about Edie looking for multi-year assurances. Um, I would, God, I wouldn't think that would be a problem if somebody is interested in drafting him, you know, two years rather than why that, that seems to me to be pretty, that's not a huge ask in the modern context. I don't think, Yeah. um, supposedly the other thing I've seen is that the expectation is that one's going to go right to the wire. So <laughs> Purdue fans might be in for a long night because right. That will be huge, figuratively and literally. If he <laughs> comes back, they're going to be right there. Now, I, I personally, I'm going to be doing a lot of thinking between now and when we roll out our previews. I don't think it's a slam dunk that you pick Purdue over Michigan State to win the Big Ten next year, even with Edie. I don't right. think that at all. Um, I don't think there was nearly as much separating those two teams by the end of the year, certainly, as the standings suggested. I mean, Purdue... Long before they got got by, uh, I had this discussion with Jack Abloin last week, and I think he was a little more, you know, said, well, you know, Purdue with the Big Ten tournament rolled through everybody. I don't know they rolled through everybody. They won it. Um, but we talked about it here. They they clearly down the back half of the Big Ten were leaking oil. Yeah. They, people, they had fumes, figured, yeah. people had figured that out, you know. They figured it out. And what they figured out was exactly what killed them in the tournament, you know. Mm -hmm. So can Purdue solve that? I don't know. Maybe. But um, but regardless, I, I understand if Zach Eady comes back, 
they will be a preseason top 10 team at least, maybe top five, and they will be a favorite in the Big Ten. I, I acknowledge those things are completely fair. If he does not come back, I think they're still going to be a good team, and they might even be better equipped for a longer tournament run. Dare I say that? But I do <laughs> well, think feel one game. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm saying even if you figure well, I know he, he mean, comes yeah. back, are they going to be better? Are they going to be able to do more next year? Maybe, but that more might be okay. They get to the round of 32. Yeah, I right. just, I really, we've talked about this enough. I think listeners know. I really have doubts about a team constructed the way they are constructed with a player like Zach Eady and March. I just do. I, I doubt that. I am skeptical. If they are playing those minutes with some combination of Caleb First and Trey Kaufman Wren, are they more versatile? Can they do different things depending upon the opponent more easily? Yes, I would submit they might be. They might have a chance to do that. But but anyway, it's a big, huge decision. There are other ones though. Um, Illinois, last I checked, still waiting on Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Pretty big difference for that team between having those guys and not having those guys. Rutgers got a big one back in Omarui is back. Um, last I had checked. Paul Mulcahy he had not made his decision. I would think he comes back. He'll be back. Which yeah. will help Rutgers. Now, they've, they've lost Cam Spencer to the portal, which I don't think we've talked about here, which was a big blow. But with those two guys back, I still think they've got a chance to be a tournament team, for sure. Um, and I think that's it. I saw Bryce Sensabaugh staying in the draft from Ohio State. That was expected. Um, so there were some other decisions around the league, but those are the big ones that are that are kind of still out there. And then, you know, we're still in the middle of portal season. So right. it's not done yet. These these teams are still adding guys. You know, I think Michigan has like nine scholarship players at the moment. You have to think they're going to add some people. I just don't know who it's going to be. Um, you know, some of these other teams, I'm sure Illinois is still looking around. For a point guard, God help if they don't find one. Uh, Crazy for guard so, you to have trouble with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, guard you. Um, so, uh, no, North, the other big decision, there is one other one. Chase Audige, I saw an indication saying he's maybe 50-50 really? to come back, which blows my mind. That he's, yeah. that I thought it would be like 90-10 he's coming back. Right, yeah. right, but that's a big one because if he comes back, I really like Northwestern. Um, if he doesn't come back, I still think Northwestern's got enough that they can be dangerous in terms of maybe being a tournament team again. But Audis, you put Audis with Boo Booey, that's a big deal. And I'll admit that I actually sort of hope that Jack, Zach Eady comes back, not because, uh, you know, I'm a huge Purdue fan, obviously. I can't stand him. But I, I like the thought of having maybe two number one seeds coming from the Big Ten. We have Michigan State and Purdue, and you have a real battle because I kind of think – not that it's ever easy in the Big Ten, but you know, I'm assuming Michigan State has, stays healthy. I assume have the inside track without if Zach Eady's not back with Purdue. I mean, I, you just never know until you watch the teams play and see how they gel and the transfers, et cetera. But um, it'd just be more fun, I think, having Zach Eady there because also I want to just try and get that guy. Although we only get one one crack at him in at Mackey, so maybe that's, maybe that's something thing. I should hope for. It's, you're you're in an unfavorable setting. Look, I would, I would like the, I'm with you in a sense. I would like the big 10 to be very, very strong. Cause I think it, it makes your team better going through those wars. And it also gives you more opportunities for meaningful wins, which helps you with seeding, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm with you with that. Um, but that's the thing we can, if you're a Michigan state fan, you're in an advantageous position because you can spin it any way you like because your team sets up really, really well for next year, no matter what happens. Right. You know, if Edie's gone, you say, well, okay, the path to a big time titles may be a little easier. If he comes back, okay, we're going to get really tested. That's good for March. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be worrying about it so much, you know, cause I look, I, I would never bet on Michigan state to win at Mackey. I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to have like a two and 20 team for me to feel good about a game at Mackey. But, um, you know, I I think, especially on a neutral floor, you play that Purdue team with Edie, 
in the Big Ten tournament with what I think Michigan State's going to be this year, bring it on. Absolutely yeah. bring it on. I, you know, I, right now, I mean, I can tell you, and we haven't solidified this, so I reserve the right to change my mind, but <laughs> I am I am inclined to think Michigan State is the legitimate Big Ten favorite right now. That's, you call me biased or a slappy or whatever, drinking green Kool-Aid, all the other stupid-ass cliches, but I can, I think I could make a pretty good case for it because these two teams are not the same. You know, Purdue doesn't add nearly what Michigan State does. And they're both bringing a lot back. And I didn't think by March, I didn't think the difference between the two teams was very significant anyway. I really didn't. And March kind of told us that, you know. So and this is this is um, not where you think Michigan State will win it, but it'll be actually someone else, right? So this is actually no, no. I think this year, <laughs> like Indiana, whoever I pick, I'm actually going to think is will win it. <laughs> that that much I can tell you, because it's either, it's going to be either Purdue or Michigan State. Yeah, I would. I, I know that so much. Too. There are other good teams like Ohio State's going to be really good. Um, if Northwestern gets Audige back, that I think they'll be pretty good. Um, you know, there's some other good teams, but uh, it's Purdue or MSU. They're they're clear cut the two best. It's the Big Ten, right? There's they're going to be dangerous games all the time, up and down the schedule, um, especially night. on the road, right? I mean, there's aren't yep. outside of Minnesota and per, Penn State. There's probably not going to be a lot of easy games. Penn, yeah. Penn State. I'm I'm waiting to see. That's a giant question mark to me because they've added a ton of guys, and some of them are interesting. And it's a new coach. He's been pretty successful at VCU. Uh, yeah, right now you're going to pick them toward the bottom, but uh, to me they're the big unknown. Uh, when you're, it's kind of akin to Kansas State last year. Like who the hell knows what you've got when you're when you're bringing in like ten new guys? Yeah, who knows? right. Exactly. Yeah, playing in the catacomb out in State College. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I think we'll probably tie it up there. Again, just a reminder to you to support the show. You can go to the Final Four on the schedule slash support find ways to support us financially. If you're interested in advertising, you certainly get a hold of me as well uh, at eric at tffinance.com. Please visit our sponsors at uh, nudgeprinting.com. You get 20% off your order or at the brothers that just do gutters. They can at least at a minimum take care of your stupid leaf problem, which just about everywhere in Michigan you have leaf problems. So you can find out contact information in the podcast player or YouTube below. So until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. Thank you.